Chapter 98 The National Socialist Party did not tolerate secret societies because it was itself a secret society with its grand master, its racist gnosis, its rites and initiations. René Allo, Les Sources Occultes du Nazisme, Paris, Grasset, 1969, page 214. It was around this time that Allier slipped through our fingers. That was the expression Belbo used with a tone of excessive indifference. I attributed the indifference once again to jealousy. Silently obsessed by Allier's power over Lorenza, aloud he wisecracked about the power Allier was gaining at Garamond. Perhaps it was our own fault. Allier had begun seducing Garamond almost a year earlier, from the time of the alchemistic party in Piedmont. Soon after that, Garamond entrusted the SFA file to him for him to recruit new victims to flesh out the Isis Unveiled catalogue. By now, Garamond consulted him on every decision, and no doubt gave him a monthly check. Gudrun, who carried out periodic expeditions to the end of the corridor, and beyond the glass door that gave access to the padded world of Minutius, told us from time to time in a worried voice that Allier had practically established himself in the office of Signora Grazia. He dictated letters to her, escorted new visitors into Garamond's office, and in short, and here Gudrun's indignation robbed her of even more vowels, acted as if he owned the place. We really should have wondered why Allier spent hours and hours on the minutious address file. Selecting the SFAs to invite to join the list of authors for Isis Unveiled should not have taken that much time. Yet he went on writing, contacting, making appointments. But we actually fostered his autonomy. The situation suited Belbo. More Allier in Via Marchese Gualdi meant less Allier in Via Sincero Renato. Thus, when Lorenza Pellegrini made one of her sudden appearances and Belbo, with unconcealed excitement, became pathetically radiant, there was less likelihood that Simon would barge in ruinously. I wasn't displeased, either, since by now I had lost interest in Isis Unveiled and was more and more involved in my history of magic. Feeling I had learned from the Diabolicals everything there was to learn, I let Allier handle the contacts and contracts with the new authors. Nor did Dio Televi object. In general, the world seemed to matter less and less to him. Now that I think back, I realize that he continued losing weight in a troubling way. At times I would see him in his office bent over a manuscript, his eyes vacant, his pen about to drop from his hand. He wasn't asleep, he was exhausted. There was another reason we accepted the increasing rarity of Allier's appearances and their brevity, for he would simply hand back to us the manuscripts he had rejected, then vanish into the corridor. The fact was, we didn't want him to hear our discussions. If anyone had asked us why, we would have said it was out of delicacy or embarrassment, since we were parodying the metaphysics in which he somehow believed. But it was really distrust on our part. We were slowly assuming the natural reserve of those who possess a secret, and we were putting Allier in the role of the profane masses as we took more and more seriously the thing we had invented. Perhaps, too, as Diotalevi said in a moment of good humor, now that we had a real Saint-Germain we didn't need an imitation. Allier didn't seem to take offense at our reserve. He would greet us, then leave us, with a politeness that bordered on hauteur. One Monday morning I arrived at work late, and Belbo eagerly asked me to come to his office, calling Dio Televi, too. Big news, he said. But before he could begin, Lorenza arrived. Belbo was torn between his joy at this visit and his impatience to tell what he had discovered. A moment later there was a knock, and Allier stuck his head in. I don't want to disturb you. Please don't get up. I haven't the authority to intrude on such a consistory. I only wanted to tell our dearest Lorenza that I'm in Signor Garamond's office. 
and I hope I have at least the authority to summon her for a sherry at noon in my office. In his office? This time Belbo lost self-control, to the extent, that is, that he could lose it. He waited for Allier to leave, then muttered through clenched teeth, Magate Lanata. Lorenza, still showing her pleasure at the invitation, asked Belbo what that meant. It's Turin dialect. It means literally be so kind as to remove the cork. A pompous, self-important, overweening individual is thought to hold himself the way he does because of a cork stuck in his sphincter ani, which prevents his vaporific dignity from being dispersed. The removal of the cork causes the individual to deflate, a process usually accompanied by a shrill whistle, and the reduction of the outer envelope to a poor, fleshless phantom of its former self. I didn't know you could be so vulgar. Now you know. Lorenzo went out, pretending to be annoyed. I knew this distressed Belbo all the more. Real anger would have reassured him, but a pretense of irritation only confirmed his fear that, from Lorenzo, the display of any passion was always staged, theatrical. He said then, with grim determination, to business, meaning let's proceed with the plan seriously. I don't much want to, the Otolevi said. I don't feel well. I have a pain here. He touched his stomach. I think it's gastritis. Ridiculous, Belbo said to him. I don't have gastritis. What could give you gastritis? Mineral water? Could be, the Otolevi said with a wan smile. Last night I overdid it. I'm accustomed to still fugi, and I drank some fizzy San Pellegrino. You must be careful. Such excesses could kill you. But to business, gentlemen, I've been dying to tell you for two days now. Finally, I know why the thirty-six invisibles were unable for centuries to work out the form of the map. John D. got it wrong. The geography has to be done over. We live inside a hollow earth, enclosed by the terrestrial surface. Hitler realized this. 